Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. This morning, amen. Don't you love that song? What a powerful song. When you think about those words, just just the phrase, he's for us. Can you imagine that? I mean, can you just get your mind around the fact that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of heaven and earth is for you. He's on your side. He loves you. He loves you more than you could ever, ever know. Oh, man. Wow. It is good to be a Christian, amen? Actually, it's good to be saved is what it is. Let me say that. Amen. It's good to just be a son and daughter of God, to be a child of God. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I just feel such a sweet spirit right now in this place. Hallelujah. He is so good to us. Amen. And I believe he wants to minister to each and every one of you. That's why I don't have much need today. Well, that's okay. He just wants to come alongside you. He just wants to be your friend. He just wants to know you. Amen. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. So just before we get uh, uh, to our message today, we want to release all the teenagers, junior high, high school kids. You're free to go. Alex is waving his hand there in the back. You can follow him out. Amen. We want to take a moment today and we want to just welcome everybody that is here. We are so glad that everybody's in service today joining us. We also want to welcome everybody that's joining us online today. We are very glad that you are joining us online. Also, we just want to remind everybody, everybody if this is uh, your first season of visiting, we call it that because some have been here a little bit longer than just a, a time or two, but in this last recent few months you've been just visiting our church, we, we want to get to know you. So we've planned a dinner, so come on out, be a part of that. Uh, if you're just brand new to us, uh, come on out tonight at 5 o'clock. We'd love to get to meet you and, and to know you. Amen. And also today we have something very, very special. I'm excited about this. This is, this is one of those things that happen and it's like, Wow, that's exciting. Uh, and so uh, Tommy and Eva Cervantes, they are new to our church. They have just been coming for a little while. I'm not exactly sure how much time, but they've been coming. And uh, they've started a new business. It's a food truck, and it's called their food truck is called Wings and Tacos. <laughs> and so what they've decided to do, this was no prompting on my part. This was their their uh, uh, choice and their their suggestion. So today after church, as you're leaving, the food truck is going to be parked out in front as you're leaving and uh, it's free today. So if you would like a taco or a wing or whatever you'd like, it's free. So get the food that you'd like. I I don't know all, I don't think he's going to have the full menu on there, but He'll have uh, a few things on there that you can sample, and it's free. He's also said that he would have a, a, a bucket there for donations if you'd like to give a donation, but he's going to give all that to the church, and uh, so he's not getting any f- from this. He's, he's doing this out of the kindness of his heart and, and also uh, to let you know a little bit about his business, and so amen. So we want to uh, support him, and, and what a blessing that is to us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to um, uh, 
Philippians chapter 1, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. So I kind of want to set up this sermon real quick because sermons like these uh, can oftentimes be maybe a little bit misunderstood. And so I want to set this up as to the reason why I'm preaching this. So uh, it's been a little bit, uh, maybe a week or so, um, I begin to notice, uh, in, well, it's probably been longer than that, but I begin to notice that just in my conversations with people and just doing life, that there are a lot of people that are struggling with um, more difficulty than normal. Let's put it that way. It seems like there's more crises happening. There's more setbacks. There's more problems, more frustrations. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily seem abnormal because we are living, the Bible says, in perilous times, and we know that. And we know that the world right now is in chaos. And so, matter, so no matter where you believe we are in the eschatology timeline, we are uh, in a season where things are being stirred up. And the world doesn't have any answers for it. Let me just assure you, if there's anything that I know today for uh, an absolute, this world does not have an answer for the problems we face, amen? Um, about the best the world can do is offer a diversion, and that usually is only short-lived. It's, uh, it may be fun for a moment, but then it quickly comes to an end. And so we need some real answers. And so as I was thinking about this, I, I, I was inspired to write this sermon on victory. Because victory is our heritage. Let me say that again to you. Victory is our heritage. Uh, you ain't excited enough. Victory is our heritage. Amen. Amen. We, as the people of God and as children of God, walk in victory. Now, you may be here today, and if you are, and going, well, it don't feel like victory to me, then this is the message for you. Because uh, I could tell you that I have been in that place where it's like, it doesn't feel like victory to me. Uh, this feels like anything but victory. In fact, it feels like I'm losing. I mean, I've, I've been there. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. And, and, and so, once again, in the effort to set this up, so I, I, today what I hope I can do for you is paint a picture. Because I, I think when we paint a picture, when we see it, and they go, okay, there it is, and then come and go, okay, what do I do about it or how do I work through that? I think it's a good, I, I think it's a good thing for us. And so that's what my goal is today is to kind of create this picture so you go, oh, okay, okay, I identify with that, and then be able to go, okay, now I know what I need to do. So... There is no place in the Bible, now get this, there is no place in the Bible that exempts you from experiencing the troubles and problems this life so often dishes out. You need to be aware of that. You can look from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through Revelations 22, and you're not going to find a verse that exempts you, that says you know, that you don't have to go through this. And I know some people don't like that because it's very popular today to preach and to teach that, you know, life can be just easygoing, carefree, no problems. And oftentimes I think what happens is when we buy into that, we set ourselves up for disappointment and we begin to wonder, where's, where, you know, where's God? I, th I thought you preachers said, 
you know, because you guys get up there and say, hey, can, you know, it's just going to be, you know, easy going and there's not going to be any problems or there's not going to be any resistance in this Christian walk. But there is. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, it tells us that we have an adversary and his name is Satan and he's the devil. And he seeks like a roaring lion, lion who he can devour. So he has deliberate purpose. He, there is an enemy. Amen. I, I'm amazed, and I'm going to say this, is I'm amazed at how many Christians live life as if there is no enemy except your next door neighbor or your wife, or your husband, or your children, or your boss, or your, you know, church mates, or whatever. We often confuse who our enemy is. The Bible says very clearly that we do not fight or wrestle against flesh and blood. Amen. It, we don't. That's not our problem. You go, well, you don't know my husband. No, I, I don't. Well, you don't know my wife. You know, I don't know that either. But I can tell you this, they are not your enemy. Now, that's not to say there's not bad things happening, but I could tell you it does not originate with them. It originates with the devil, the adversary, whose name is Satan. John chapter 10, verse 10 says that Satan is a thief, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his objective. And then in 1 Peter, now here's what's also remarkable, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. See, when we are experiencing the crisis of, crises of life, we should not be surprised by it. But it's amazing to me how often we are taken aback and we are like, what's going on here? You know, I thought that things would be a lot different. I've actually had people say that to me. They've come into Christianity and they've lived Christianity a little while. They've been buffeted a little bit. And they come to me and they said, hey, I thought you said that everything was going to get better. It has. It's gotten infinitely better. Because you had those problems before, you just didn't know it. Amen. And some of you for good reason. Amen. There was some chemicals involved that helped you to stop thinking about life. But now what you have is you have one that can help you overcome what is coming into your life. But you know what? Sometimes we get to this place where it's like, I, I just don't know what's going on. Why is this happening to me, and it's almost like this unheard of occurrence is, is coming into, you know, it's like nobody, nobody goes through life like I go through life. Nobody, nobody suffers like I suffer. Nobody goes through it. And you know what? I'll admit that there are people that suffer at a greater level than others, but the reality is suffering is suffering. My brand of suffering is just as heinous and wicked and horrible as your brand of suffering. Your suffering's yours and mine's mine. Can you say amen? And the reality is we are all going through it. And I think some people get the idea that if they're saved and living by faith and walking in God's word, that they should never encounter a difficult situation. Well, let me say something to you today. If you are saved and living by faith and walking in God's word, it is not that you will not encounter a difficult situation. It's that you will be able to overcome that situation and that you will have victory through it. Can you say amen? 
Now listen to David's perspective on this. He says in Psalms 34, verse 19, he says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's what he says. Many. But, he says, he goes on, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. Underline all. He says, I will deliver you out of them all. He says, there's no doubt. That's what I love about the Bible. What I love about the Word of God is God does not deny the reality of difficulty. He just says, I'm able to overcome it. And I want to overcome it. And if you will allow me, I will give you my victory. I will fight the battle and say, you won. I'll run the race and let you get the prize. That's what he does. He says, I'll fight, I'll get in the ring, and I'll let you be the champion. You are more than a conqueror. How do you become more than a conqueror? It's by fighting a fight, or it's by having the victory of a fight that you did not fight. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's more than a conqueror. See, a conqueror is one that got in the ring. But you didn't have to get in the ring, but you still got the title. You still got the belt. You still got the win. You still got the cash prize. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, everybody talks about winning the lottery, right? We all talk about it. How many fantasize about it? I do. I'll be honest with you. I, you know, $300 million, I sit down in the bathtub, and it's a great thought because I think about what I'm going to do, what, you know, all the stuff that I'm going to do. And I know probably one of the reasons God doesn't give me that is because it would be very tempting to go do all that stuff and not this. And God says, I want you to do this. But nonetheless, I do fantasize about it. But imagine, see, the reason I don't win the lottery is because I don't play the lottery, okay? And you know, that's the old famous saying, you got to play to win. But imagine if they let you win and you never had to play. See, that's you win the lottery in heaven every time, man. You don't even have to play and God says, I'm going to let you win. I am giving you my victory. Thank God. That in spite of our troubles, trials, and tribulations, the promise of God's word is that he will deliver us from them all. Amen. Now in Philippians, our text today, Philippians, just one verse of scripture. Verse number 28 is a, is a verse of scripture that I've really taken to heart and really rely on. And reading from the Amplified, it says, And do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries, for such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof, and seal to them of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation and that from God. What a powerful scripture that is, man. We ought to all memorize that because it is communicating to you and I. Don't be afraid. See, the devil shows up and he's a liar, right? So he brings a facade. He, 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 he lies. He tells us half-truths. And he tells us things are happening that are not happening. And he tries to convince us. And let me tell you something. He is really good at it. He's been doing it a long time. But you don't have to be afraid or intimidated by any of it. The devil will come to you and go, I'm going to give you cancer. And go, and then Jesus is going to heal me. I'm going to take all your money away. And Jesus is going to give me more. 
Because whatever you do, he's going to override because you lost, devil. That's what he said. And that very stand, just the fact that you stand in that, becomes the sign, the proof, and the seal of his doom and your deliverance. Are you hearing that today? So what I want to do is, as we get into this, I kind of want to paint this picture. So I'm going to talk about something. I'm going to talk about these difficulties. I'm going to talk about these struggles, these setbacks, this resistance, those things that come into our lives and those seasons of life. I'm going to talk about them in terms of the wilderness. And I want you to think this through with me. Now, there's a show on the History Channel that I love to watch. It's called Alone. And what the premise of the show is, it's about men and women who are placed in some obscure wilderness and told to survive. They are given survival gear, minimal survival gear, and they're left to survive alone in the wilderness. They even do all their own filming. It's not like there's a film crew following them around that go, yeah, you know, that's a bummer, but I can't help you because we're filming you. They have their own cameras, they film their own things, so they are completely alone. And other than a weekly health check, they are alone in the wilderness. And it's amazing to watch what these people are capable of to survive. It's, it's, it's amazing. One guy, I was watching one guy, this guy, he, has, he took with him, he took a, a rope, a bow and arrow, a flint, and a pocket knife. That was his survival gear. So he's going out and he goes, well, the first order of business is I got to get some food. And so he sees a moose. He shoots that moose with an arrow, kills it, field dresses it. Now, most of you, you hunters out there will understand the depth of this. Field dresses the moose with a pocket knife, hauls it back to his camp where he builds a platform 15 feet in the air on a, on a tree, and he stores all the meat up there. And he had to take several trips, and he was two miles away. I mean, that's a guy you just take your hat off to and go, you're going to make it. You're going to win the contest. I'm, I'm out there for like 15 minutes, and I'm already dead. <laughs> the, the first health checkup, they, are, they go, wow, he must have died the first day because he's rotting already. I mean, it's like... I, I'm just, I don't, I, I don't do that. Amen. But this guy, and then, and then what happens is one day a, a wolverine comes into his camp, climbs his, the tree where the meat is, starts stealing the meat. So he set a trap, killed the wolverine and ate him. I mean, that's the dude that, see, that's not like, you know, that show that, that you know, what is that show? Survivor. You know, where they go on this island and they're all fighting. That's like a counseling contest. I, I mean, that's, that's like just a moment. It's like they all fighting in its personality and, you know, and it's just stupid. This, I mean, this is real. This dude is making, I mean, he built a house, a condominium, and he's, you know, got all this stuff out in the wilderness with a knife. He's MacGyver, toothpick, bubble gum, and a wrapper, and all of a sudden he's living high on the hog. He's surviving the wilderness. Well, I don't know about you, but that's not my idea of fun and adventure. I don't want to go into the wilderness and survive the wrath of Mother Nature and eat things that I barely have the nerve to kill. 
Kathy has got it in her mind recently. I love my wife dearly, and I probably will do this because I love her, but my wife has got it in her mind that we need a camper. My daughter-in-law's in. Yeah, they love going camping. They, they actually, they camp pretty low to the ground. They go in a tent. Hey, it ain't nothing for them to put a mattress in the back of the truck and just sleep under the stars. It's nothing. My, my wife wants us to get a camper. So, so for about six months now, she, every time she sees a camper, says, see, that's the one, that's the one, that's the one. So the other day, Friday, we're driving around, as we do, and she says, well, I just got to tell you something. And I'm thinking, oh, here it comes. Because I'm like, what, what's going on? She goes, I found a camper we can rent for $99 a day. And I'm like, because now it's getting serious. Now I don't even have to buy it. It's just like a hotel room now. I said to her, I said, do you understand what camping is? I said, you're always dirty. You got bug spray all over you because there's a billion bugs out there that want to eat you. I said, your food has got sand in it all the time. I said, there is no bathroom in that. Let me, well, there's one in the trailer. No, it ain't. It's not. It's a porta potty. Does, does this look like a porta potty body? It, it's it's horrible. It's horrible. She says, "No, but it'll be fun. We'll have our awning." Oh, that makes it better. We have an awning, so we sit out. We're in the shade, but it's still 95 degrees in the shade. Well, we'll have a fire. What do you need a fire for? It's thousand degrees outside. She says, well, we'll, we'll, eat, we'll fish and eat fish. I don't like fish that came out of the water. I want fish from a restaurant. She goes, you eat sushi. You'll eat raw fish. No, I eat what they serve me at the sushi bar. I didn't catch it. I didn't clean it. It's just good. With I don't drink cow's milk. I drink carton milk. Preferably powdered milk. I... People always want to bring us eggs, and my wife, they, they brought, at one time they brought brown eggs to us, my wife was so happy, and I'm like, brown eggs, I, why are they brown? She goes, oh, they're better, they're richer. I, I don't want a chicken egg, I want a cart. I want my eggs to come out of a carton. I don't want to know that a chicken had to lay this egg. I... I I want to go hunting at Safeway Meat Department. My idea of camping is Mandalay Bay, the, the sweet level. Th that's my idea of camping. I, I don't mind going out into the wilderness as long as I can stay clean. So, so my, my daughter-in-law wants us to go, so she says, where we go, you, they go to Williams a lot. She goes, there's a hotel in Williams. You can be out and then go to the hotel. I'm like, that, that's my style. Let me go. I'll play, and then I'll go to the hotel and clean up and rest. It'd be cool for a while. Why? Because the wilderness can be a bummer. And the wilderness is, is a place where we often go. Maybe not physically, but we can go there spiritually. And all through the Word of God, we see great men of God spending time in the wilderness. Abraham, Moses, David, Elijah, Paul the Apostle spent time in the wilderness. Even Jesus spent time in the wilderness. In fact, it says in Matthew 4.1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
Did you catch what happened there? The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. I don't like that. What? You're a preacher. You're a pastor. You should love the Word of God. I do. I just don't like the fact that the Holy Spirit's going to lead me into the wilderness. Because if he led Jesus into the wilderness, he's probably not going to have any problem leading me there. And whether we like it or not, from time to time, the wilderness is a reality in all of our lives. But what is the wilderness? What really is it? See, the wilderness is a harsh place. It's where the days are long and the nights are longer. And the atmosphere is given to extremes. The wilderness is a dry place where thirst is common and satisfaction is rare. The wilderness is an empty place where vulnerability and need are amplified. The wilderness is an intimidating place where fear and insecurity rule and reign. The wilderness is a dangerous place where doubt and unbelief attack at will. It's the wilderness. And anyone serving God for any length of time can tell stories of the wilderness they have experienced. And we've all been there. We've all gone to those desolate places in our life. We've dealt with temptations and snares. We've all been in those crooked places, in those valleys, so low that we thought we would never get out. We've all been in our private wilderness. And truth be told, some of you are in it right now. Whether it's a struggling marriage or a dying loved one, you're in a wilderness place. It may be a wayward child or an unfaithful spouse. You are in a wilderness place. It may be poor health or living with emotional distress or financial difficulty. You're in a wilderness place. You may be confused, misdirected, misunderstood, overlooked, or any other variety of things. You're in a wilderness place. And when you're in a wilderness place, you are struggling for your life. You're being tried and tested on every side. Discouragement and disappointment are trying to devour you. Desperation and despair have become your traveling buddies. It's the wilderness. It's harsh, it's hard, it's empty, it's dangerous and intimidating. And for many right now, it's a present reality. And if that wasn't bad enough, it gets worse. <laughs> Ooh, this is going to be a happy sermon. It will. It ends very well. It finishes well, as they say. The wilderness is also a place you go alone. Just about the time we come to terms with the reality that the wilderness is a place that we all find ourselves from time to time, we come to the reality that the wilderness is a place we go alone. And as we look back at Jesus, he went to the wilderness alone. There were no loyal disciples. There was no loving family members. There wasn't even another unsuspecting victim of the wilderness. As far as human companionship, he was utterly alone in the wilderness. The truth is, when you enter the wilderness, you will try to bring somebody along, but it won't work. Why? Misery likes company. 
You will see, you, and here's how we do it. You'll seek advice only to be left frustrated. Nobody will be able to advise you. Have you ever done that? You've come to me for counsel and left like, well, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. You'll seek advice for your wilderness. You'll try to explain your feelings to people only to feel misunderstood. They just don't understand. You'll desire sympathy and you'll get sarcasm. You'll try to draw close to others only to be left more disjointed. And it's at this place that you must understand there are some realities in life that we must face alone. Your wilderness experience is one of them. See, because it's your wilderness. It's not mine. And mine is not yours. Only you can face your wilderness. Only I can face my wilderness. Only Jesus could face his wilderness. But here's good news. The wilderness, sometimes I should say, the wilderness is a God-ordained place. See, there's another reality that we must understand about this moment called the wilderness. Is it's ordained by God. You say, what? How can that be? Looking back at Jesus' experience, him entering the wilderness was not the result of a bad decision. It was not the result of sowing bad seed. It wasn't the result of life circumstances. It wasn't the consequence of sin. Jesus' wilderness experience was the result of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Whether or not your wilderness is ordained by God, or whether it's the outcome of wrong living, or an attack of the devil, what we discover in the wilderness is things about God and ourselves which we could have never known in any other circumstance. The wilderness may be your darkest hour, but your darkest hour could be your finest moment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And as we see the reality of the wilderness, I now want to turn your attention for a few moments to a greater reality. John, Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. In other words, in, in one version, one translation, the words he, he uses there is, I've denied it the right to harm you. Jesus is saying you will face challenges and difficulties and from time to time you will enter the wilderness. But in the midst of it all, he says, be of good cheer because you will have victory over it. Amen. Even there are no verses that exempt you from the trials and tribulations of the wilderness. There are many verses that exempt you from being defeated by it. Are you hearing me? You may be going through a difficult moment. You may be thinking that you're going to be defeated, that this is going to overcome you. But I assure you today, you can have victory in the midst 
of your crisis situation. Listen to David chapter, uh, in Psalms chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. You know, you need to underline that and underscore that and highlight it, draw a box around it and put stars on it. Because if I've learned anything in the years of my salvation is that oftentimes waiting patiently for the Lord is required. We don't always understand His timing. And He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Your experience in the wilderness may be the testimony your neighbor needs to see. Your victory in your overwhelming moment may be the very thing that speaks to your family, to your loved ones, to your boss, your neighbor. David was on sinking ground, but God put his feet on a rock and it put a new song in his mouth. And in another time, David writes in Psalm 61, he says, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. See, church, one of the things that we got to do is we are, when we say we are believers, then that's got to mean something. That means that when we are going through the unexplainable, when we are going through these moments where we cannot fathom it, it's bewilderment, it's never been heard of before, we are, it's like chaos and we don't know what's going on. We don't result to our natural senses or our natural mind. We, we, we go and turn to the one that can deliver us, to the promise of victory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For those of you this morning who might be going through a rough patch, who are doubting if God is with you, thinking that he has turned against you or that he is abandoning you. And you are crying out the words of Psalm 130 that says, Out of the depths of my heart I have cried to you, O Lord. Hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If that's your cry, know this. No matter how far down you think you've gone, when you cry out, The voice of God resounds from below you because he is there beneath you to bear you up. There is no way that you can sink so low that Christ does not sink even lower to be beneath you, to lift you up, to bring you back to a place of hope and healing once more. You say, how do you know that? Look at Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I hide from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, 
you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. In other words, what he's saying is, I am with you. No matter where you find yourself, I'm with you. I don't care how dark it gets, it's all daylight to me. That's what he's saying. But I can't see. It's okay, I can. That's what he's saying. I got this. He is your God, and he will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. His death and resurrection on your behalf are His divine guarantee. He is forever with you. I'll be honest with you. As I wrote this sermon and now as I preach this sermon, I realize how easy it is for me to depart from what I believe to get caught up into a moment of fear or to get up a, in, caught up in a moment of insecurity or to get up, caught up into a, a moment where, where I, I, I'm just not confident and to second guess and hear that still small voice that says, I'm right here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm with you. I got you. I got your back. I realize how easy it is to depart from that. Church, we have to trust it. And I believe God is ready to do those things in your life. I believe there are some here today that he wants to deliver you. There are some today that are living in a pit and you've been there a long time. And he wants you to have victory. But the question is, what do I do in this moment? Here I am. I'm in the wilderness. Here I am, struggling. What do I do? Very quickly. The first thing is, you need to make the Word of God the final authority in your life. Church, I can't stress this enough. I cannot stress this enough. The Word has to be the final authority even in spite of what you see. You say, well, I, I, I could see it with my eyes. I, look, I'm looking at the checkbook. It says negative $10. You're saying I'm blessed. I'm saying you are. Why? Because the Word says you're blessed. So, well, I feel like I'm in. I just feel horrible. I feel sick. I'm healed. So, wasn't that denial? No. I'm not denying, nor is the Word denying the reality of bad things. I'm simply choosing to stand on a higher reality. The doctor comes in with a bad report. The Bible says, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. In Matthew chapter 8, the centurion came to Jesus. His servant was sick. And he said to Jesus in verse 8, he said, 
Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Now, there's a lot going on in that story because Jesus remarks of the faith of this man because of the authority that he understood. But the thing that we see here is he said, if you say he's healed, he's healed. If you say it, just say it, God. Your word, at your word, I'll trust. At your word, I'll stand. That has to be our place. At your word, God, I'll trust you. I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. I can't even begin to tell you how it operates. I don't know what's going to happen. But I trust you. I trust you. Period. Because your word is the final authority. Secondly, you must choose. You must choose. Once you've established the word is the final authority, choose to stand. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, God says, I've called heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that, you, that both you and your seed may live. See, you, you get the final say. You get to choose. You could believe the negative report, or you could believe God. You choose. Then get your mouth in gear. You say, what do you mean? Begin to confess your faith. Amen. Hold your tongue on your doubt. Confess your faith. I got victory. Amen. Doesn't look like it. I don't care what it looks like. I got victory. I'm healed. Looks Well, you're in bed. I know, but I'm healed. You can't e you're so broke you can't even pay attention. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I have more than enough. I've seen God do miracles, man. Financial miracles. I've seen it in this church. I've seen us with our backs against the wall going, this is a bad day. There was a time way back when we first built the building not a lot of people know this story, so here you go. When we first built the building, we, were, we built this building by, largely by barter. We, we got a loan when we built this building for $500,000. This is a $1.5 million building. We borrowed one-third of the money. Then we said, what we'll do is we'll go work and we'll barter. So we would go work for different people and different contractors and trade. We'd do work for them, they'd do work for us. Well, when we got done, we owed a lot of money. And so we weren't able to pay the payment. It was a bummer. We weren't able to pay the payment. Went seven months without paying the payment. The payment at the time was 7000 a month. <laughs> yeah, that'll make your knees buckle. I would walk the parking lot at 3 in the morning crying out to God because I was in charge of the money. So I thought. And I'd pray, I'd pray, I'd pray. We were two weeks from going to auction. Two weeks. And the building was going to auction. How do you explain that to the church? Now this is, obviously I wasn't the senior pastor at the time. 
And so Pastor Howard was carrying a lot of that weight, but it was on me too. How do you go, hey, we're going to be in the park next week. Uh, it don't work well. God came through. Somebody dropped in 70 grand. <laughs> it just, it'll make your knees buckle. It'll make you, it'll make you cry. You'll go, God, you are real. I can't believe it. You said you'd provide, and you did. Now, I don't always like his method of waiting to the last minute, but he does. <laughs> but he came through. I've seen miracle after miracle in this place. You can't be moved by your emotions. That's the fourth thing. Emotions are based on what our senses tell us. What we could see, hear, taste, smell. And if you're moved by emotions, you will not walk in faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And so again, it takes us back to the Word, doesn't it? And finally, as we close, and I'm going to ask Jason if he'd come, we've got to offer up real praise. You know, church, let me, can I just, can I get honest with you? We, we have a worship service before every service. And the reason that we do that is not so that people that are coming late can find their seat. We're doing that because we are literally, we're doing a couple things. We're entering into the presence. We are also setting a platform I used to always question it. I used to always say, well, God, you could do what you want. Why don't you just show up? But God wants us to be a part of the equation. And just like back in the day, the sacrifices, the, if you go through, I challenge you, go through, read, read Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and read it. And just, yeah, no, it's, it's, you've got you to gotta really push through. But what you begin to see is that God had an order. He had a plan. And there were certain things God wanted to do because God linked those things to his presence. Well, today we don't offer sacrifice like in the old system. We offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We worship in spite of what we feel. And so when you come in and we do this because, one, worship really does attract the presence of God. And where the presence of the Lord is, there is liberty. We also do it because we're setting that platform for him to move so that we say, look, we have, we have come. You have ordained us to be your servants, to be your kings and priests. And so we build this altar to offer our sacrifice to you so that you will pour yourself out on us. And we do that. And so many times we come into church and we're reluctant to worship because either we've had a bad day or we just got in the fight in the parking lot or, or we're just, hey, I just don't want to get out of control. Some of us need a little out of control. We need to kind of break because that's where breakthrough comes through. See, if you were given a death sentence, if somebody came to you and said, you know what, you've got about 15 minutes to live, that's it. And I mean, they're serious, and you could tell this isn't a joke. 
But then all of a sudden, at the last moment, the 14th minute, there was a moment of rescue, and you were rescued, and you were pulled out of that, and you were brought back to freedom, and everything was set right. You would be so elated. You would be so thankful to your deliverer. Well, I guarantee you that he is a deliverer that he is the great savior. He is the Lord of our lives. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And if anything else, whether you buy into all the other stuff, he is worthy of our praise. And I'm telling you that praise and worship and thanksgiving, they are weapons and they will repel. They will shake the gates of hell. They will repel the biggest demon on the planet. You can have the biggest demon staring you in the face and you begin to go, Jesus is my Lord and I worship him. He will shudder because he cannot stand. He'll try to lie. He'll try to get you to see it differently. He'll try to tell you all that crap don't work. But you hold your ground and you'll go, he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And I worship him and I magnify him and I call upon his name. And I lift him up and I give him glory and honor. And I love him and I praise him and I magnify him. And I'm going to tell you what, every time you open your mouth, it's another baseball bat to his head. Because he cannot stand in the praises of God's people. Church, we all face, and I bring this to a close, we all face difficult days. Some of us are facing health crises, and quite frankly, it's scary. Some of us are facing financial crises, and quite honestly, we don't know what to do. Some of us are tormented emotionally, and we don't know how to fix it. Some of us are dealing with people in our lives that we don't know what to do about them. They're, they're just people we love and people we don't love. And on and on. And we could go about the drama of people. But I can tell you this. You can have victory. Because victory is your heritage. It's your heritage. But you're going to have to make the Word of God your final authority. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to speak it out. You can't let your emotions tell you what to do. And then you need to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Can you say amen? And I'm telling you, you'll enter right into that victory that's already prepared for you. Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we thank you. We give you glory and we give you honor and we magnify you. God, this morning we thank you, God, for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us, God, and that you've shown us this truth, God. Quicken it to our hearts as we go into our lives, God, as we enter into those moments that are difficult. Quicken it, God, to us, that we may walk out your victory. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Praise God. As you stay seated for a moment, I'm going to ask the ministry team if they would come, those that pray. I want you to come up front, just stand up here. You say, why do we do this? We give you an opportunity for people to pray for you. So if there was anything I said today that you said, man, I relate to that. You know what, come on up, let these pray for you. Let them bless you, let them lay hands on you. Remember today, we got the food truck in the parking lot. If you'd like to try out a taco or whatever, it's free, hallelujah. Remember tonight for all the visitors, we got our visitor dinner at five o'clock right here in the sanctuary. 
rest of us, let's stand to our feet. We're going to release you, let you go. You guys have a great and wonderful day. Come on up for prayer if you need it. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.